We come this morning in Mark's gospel to the last section in chapter 11, in chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. Starting in Mark chapter 11, verse 27. And they came again to Jerusalem, and he was walking in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But Shall we say from man, they were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful that you bless us with the Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes in our lives, we forget who is the authority in our life. Help us to be compelled this morning and be renewed in our own faith to always bow before the authority of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are so thankful that our Heavenly Father has given Jesus to us to lead us in the paths of righteousness. In Christ's name, amen. Oh, no. (laughs) Jesus has returned today. Can you imagine the minds of all the people who witnessed the action of Christ during his last visit to the temple? Christ is picturing, Mark is picturing Christ in action. He is walking within the premises of the temple here in verse 27. What is he going to do? Will he further disrupt the temple? What else could be wrong with the temple today? (laughs) Perhaps fear and timid anticipation characterize all that were present. Well, one delegation has definitely noticed his presence. It is the Jewish 
Sanhedrin. They do not miss Christ. They did not miss Christ's violent activity on his previous visit. And they want to see what he is up to on this particular visit. As you recall, Mark mentions two of the Jewish leadership groups being present when Christ completely disrupted the sellers and the buyers in the court of the Gentiles. Those leaders were the chief priests and the scribes, if you look back at chapter 11, verse 18. Also, as you recall, the chief priests and the scribes heard Christ refer to the temple as the den of robbers. Indeed, they wanted to destroy Christ right away, but felt that they could not because the people were astonished with his teaching. Well, in our text here this morning, the full delegation of the Jewish Sanhedrin is present this time, including the elders, as you note there in verse 27. All three are present, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. And they have come together to challenge Jesus about his authority, about the things that he has been doing. We have noted that this has been a crucial theme in Mark's portrayal of Christ throughout his gospel. Whether the reader lives in Nero's Rome or throughout the world to whom the good news is going, all, including you and I, must come to grips with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the claim that he makes concerning his authority. The Jewish Sanhedrin had a very difficult time with Christ's authority for doing the things that he actually did. After all the content of his teaching, the content of Jesus' preaching, as well as his actions, invaded what they viewed as their own sacred religious space. Do you remember how Mark directs our attention to Christ's authority at the very beginning of his gospel? The very first incident Mark records in the ministry of Christ after he has called Peter, Andrew, James, and John is his teaching on the Sabbath in the synagogue in Capernaum. Mark mentions immediately that those listening to his teaching were absolutely astonished because he taught them as one who had, the, had authority and not as the scribes. Chapter 1, verse 22. Is the impact of that statement right at the beginning of Mark's gospel? Is the impact of that statement registering in your life? I ask you to stop and think. Who were the Jewish scribes? They were the experts on the law of Moses. 
They wrote oral laws in in application to the law of Moses for the daily lives of the Jews. Mark is telling us that the people who listened to Jesus teach that day already noticed that his teaching had the authority that exceeded, exceeded the Jewish scribes who were viewed among the Jews as the interpreters and the appliers of the law of Moses within the Jewish religious and social world. I ask you, is this sinking in? Jesus' teaching had more, had more authority than the interpreters of the law of Moses in the Jewish world. In fact, his teaching was so astonishing and authoritative that the people were even more overwhelmed when on that same day in the synagogue, Jesus cast out an unclean spirit in a man. The people saw this and they reacted. What is this? What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Chapter 1, verse 27. The people had not seen such activity done by the scribes. Indeed, Jesus has, a theory, has an authority that is superior to the scribes. Well, This is the authority that Mark, through the infallible direction of the Holy Spirit, is presenting to his reader as you read this gospel. The authority of Jesus Christ, the Holy Son of God. Congregation has the authority of Mark's good news in Christ been registering and becoming a dominant factor in your life as we have been going through Mark's gospel? It's a good question to ask yourself spiritually in terms of your own heart. Where is the authority of Jesus Christ in your life? That's what Mark wants to be asking you as you read this gospel. We'll go back to Mark's second chapter. There, competing authorities are being directed at the religious core of the human heart. What describes the religious core of the human condition? Being physically paralyzed or a human sinful condition? According to Jesus, who is the new authority upon the scene? It is the human sinful condition. Who, when seeing the faith of the paralytic and his companions, declared the paralytic's sins, sins forgiven in chapter 2, verse 5. Now the battle of authority 
for authority by the Jewish scribes begins. Some were there to witness Jesus' declaration of forgiveness of sin, and they accused Jesus of blasphemy because they understood correctly that God only can forgive sin. Christ responds by embracing Daniel's prophetic title of the coming of the Messiah in blessing and judgment. The Son of Man, Jesus says, has the authority on earth to forgive sin. Chapter 2, verse 10. Some of the scribes witness that, witness that he is not only forgives sins, but heals the paralytic. But Jesus, at the same time, reclines here in the future at the table in his own home with tax collectors and sinners. Chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. What is now becoming obvious to the scribes that Jesus is claiming that his authority exceeds their, their authority in understanding and imply, applying the law of Moses. Now the scribes go to Jerusalem and huddle concerning what will be their talking point against Jesus who claims to be the messianic son of man. Do you know the talking point? As they huddle in Jerusalem, what's the talking point that the scribes are going to use against Jesus? Well, here it is. He is possessed by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, to cast out demons. Chapter 3, verse 22. The congregation in the absurdity of irrational unbelief and authority as it suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. Jesus simply responds, how can Satan cast out Satan? Jesus' authority even challenges and brings into judgment the scribes, the Pharisees, applications to the law of Moses, referring to what Christ says is the traditions of the Jewish elders in chapter 7, verses 1 and 3. For example, they are alarmed that Christ's disciples do not wash their hands before, they, before a meal. Or wash their cups, pots, and copper vessels according to the traditions of the elders. Chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. Christ responds by referencing Isaiah and calling them hypocrites as they teach the commandments constructed by man instead of worshiping the Lord in their heart where true religion resides by virtue of the Holy Spirit. Christ is quite blunt. You leave the commandment of God and hold on to the tradition 
of men. Chapter 7, verse 8. Well, throughout Mark's gospel, it is obvious as the Jewish leadership interacts with Jesus, Jesus is right on target. They leave the commandment of God and hold on to the tradition of men. Our text this morning, that is before you this morning, is the climax, the climax of the interaction between the Jewish leadership, the Sanhedrin in Christ, about the very issue of authority. The issue of authority. Mark once again strengthens the scene before us he underlines that the dual appearance here of Jesus in terms of Jerusalem and the temple. He makes that comment at the entrance of the text in verse 27. Jerusalem and the temple have become the central residence where the false religion of Israel has evolved into a religion of man and totally out of accord with how the law of Moses points to its consummation in the obedience of Christ. Where does the law of Moses point us? It points us to the obedience of righteousness in the person of Jesus Christ. That's where it's taking us. Once again, all three delegations of the Jewish Sanhedrin are present to try to trap Christ. Once again, the chief priests the scribes, and the elders. Remember their goal? Look back at 1118. What is their goal? Their goal is to destroy Christ. That's their goal. Destroy Christ. Now they have Christ on their own turf, so to speak. They are not out in the wilderness. They are not in the countryside of Galilee or in Capernaum. They are in Jerusalem and the temple. All right. They could not destroy him after he disrupted the temple sellers and buyers. But now they have a question that they can ask him and that maybe they can now trap him at this moment. It is a question they have been pressing throughout Christ's appearance and his ministry. Here it is in your text. By what authority do you, are you, Jesus, doing these things? What things? Think about this. What things are they talking about? Destroying the present function of the temple. He forgives sins. 
He casts out unclean spirits. He heals all kinds of physical ailments. He teaches and he preaches the good news about the kingdom of God, requiring repentance and faith in himself for entrance into the kingdom. Who gave you the authority to do such things? Verse 28 of our text. Oh, yes. The Sanhedrin has upped the ante. (laughs) They now want to know who gave him the authority to do these things. In view of their previous engagements with Jesus, they figured that he was going to say God. And thus they can arrest him on the basis of blasphemy. But Jesus is not going to play their wicked game of evil. Oh, how evil human beings are against the true religion that is found in Holy Scripture and centered in Jesus Christ. Christ turns the table back on them with a question. He will answer their question about authority if they answer his question. What is his question? Look at verses 29 and 30. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Technically, this is a very simple question. (laughs) There's only two possible answers. Either it's from heaven or it's from man. The Sanhedrin discuss, they discuss the question and conclude that they are now in the trap. If we say from heaven, they realize that they could admit that they would admit that Jesus and John are tied by a message in ministry from God. Well, that cannot, they cannot admit this because they are committed to their own personal construction of the Jewish religion. If they say that it is from man, the people will reject them because the common person thinks John is a a prophet and just not a regular man. As the Sanhedrin reflects upon Christ's question, they remain at a pragmatic level with respect to the question, meaning that there are only two answers, heaven or man. But Christ's question has a richer revelatory direction than they realize. Because they are stuck in the religion of man, they cannot see the depths of Christ's question. Why a question about John the Baptist here of all people? Just think about that. Why would Jesus bring up John the Baptist here? Why doesn't Jesus ask, do you view my, Jesus' authority, from heaven or from man? Why John the Baptist? 
Remember, Mark presents Christ in motion. He is walking in the temple. The next chiastic pattern that we have been following, we note the following. That in the temple, Christ erupts in anger back in 15 through 19. Then we had Christ's interpretation of the withered tree is countered by faith. Verses 20 through 26. Now before us, we are back in the temple debating with the Jewish leaders. Remember in middle in the middle of the chiasm is the key to understanding what is happening. In this case, Christ's righteous judgment against the apostate religious practices in the temple, which is only countered by faith in Christ as the true temple of God, whose sanctuary is in heaven. So once again, why does Jesus mention John the Baptist? Because as Mark's gospel so brilliantly points out, the eschaton, the final days of salvation, begins with John the Baptist. John is the transition from the old covenant into the new covenant who had his position dictated by the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Malachi by name. Judgment begins with the household of God and John declares that judgment, that judgment in the midst of the transition from the old age to the new age. For those living in apostasy, there can only, they can only be restored. They can only be redeemed in the one coming after John, who is greater than he, Christ. But there is only one way to participate in this transition and restoration. It is through repentance in the forgiveness of sin. After all, a person's sin has consequences upon the eternal destiny of one's soul. But John's baptism points to a greater baptism that is necessary for the sinner. The baptism from Christ is a baptism of repentance unto the forgiveness of sin and faith that rests upon Christ alone for redemption. And who inaugurates? Who inaugurates this new era in the covenant of grace? By whose authority is Jesus Christ propelled into his glorious and yet suffering ministry on earth? It is the voice that comes from heaven, from his heavenly father. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Chapter 1 verse 11. Was John's baptism 
from heaven or from man. John's baptism is from heaven. Christ's ministry on earth is from heaven. By God's authority and control over all of history, we have entered the age of heaven. That's where we are. John is the end of the temporal era of the old covenant in Christ. Christ begins the eternal heavenly era of the new covenant. If this is not clear to you, then please listen with ears that hear the communication of the Father's statement of authority surrounding Christ. Where? Where is this so profound now in terms of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ? It is on the Mount of Transfiguration. This, our Heavenly Father says about Jesus, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. When we preached on that passage, I underlined the fact that in the theme of Mark's gospel, that last phrase is absolutely paramount. Are you listening to Jesus? Listen to him. Suddenly, do you remember the drama there? Let this register once again. Suddenly, Peter, James, and John looked around and realized that Moses and Elijah were gone. Were gone. They only saw Jesus, chapter 9, verse 7 and 8. Are you understanding this congregation? The Sanhedrin is not even close to having any comprehension about who gave Jesus the authority of the things he is performing in his ministry. Why? Because they do not know Christ's Heavenly Father, who has sent Christ as the ransomed sacrifice for sin. They have rejected the authority of the triune God of the Old Testament scriptures and replaced it with a religion of man. Thus the judgment of the Son of Man is upon them. They're drowning. They're drowning in their pragmatic logic. Jesus is casting out demons 
by the power of Satan. How absurd. How absurd. They are so blind to the fact that the eternal age to come, as Christ himself calls it, is upon the whole creation right now. Congregation, this message is not a lecture. It is the word of Christ. This is the Lord. This is the Lord's doing in the history of Revelation. I have said it before, but perhaps it hasn't sunk into your mind and in your heart. Go home today. Discuss as a family or even as a single person how you are living in Christ's heavenly temple right now. How does faith, prayer, and forgiveness operate in your home, in your life? Or let me ask you pointedly, or did last week's words from the Lord Jesus Christ in that message mean absolutely nothing to your life this week. Remember the key here for us in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your Redeemer, your Redeemer counters the withered tree with the life of faith. The life of faith in him is your life embracing the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Does it rest upon him alone to be in glory forever and ever? Do you know, in terms of your faith in Christ, that you are in heaven on the journey to heaven? with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father cries out to each of us this morning. Listen to him. Listen to him. May Christ 
be the authority through thy spirit that controls our life and our pathway. O oh Lord, may we cherish every moment of being in Jesus Christ. And may our faith demonstrate this in our walk. In Christ's name, amen.